wow, we've got a talented team of people that uh, are a part of our church. Man, that was uh, such a blessing. So uh, now it is time for us to, to get to work. It's time for us to uh, open up the scriptures and, and look at this incredible story of uh, how the, the, the story of our life, the story of Jesus's life, uh, ends with hope, ends with joy, ends with, with not death at all because uh, death was set aside and uh, we no longer have to fear uh, or, or worry about death because uh, Jesus has set us free from that. So as we jump in, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 24. So go ahead and find your way there uh, in your Bible. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 24 verses 1 through 12 and the, the story of Easter that we see in those verses. But uh, before we do that, uh, we are going to uh, slow down for just a minute and uh, set the stage a little bit. I think it's important for us to uh, remember uh, not just the, the good news of uh, the celebration that Jesus is alive, but before we jump into these verses, before we start looking at uh, what these uh, men and women were experiencing in this passage. I think it's important for us to to slow down and, and remember uh, what they were experiencing as we start into these verses. So the uh, the, the resurrection consistently it, it catches people off guard. They have a difficult time adjusting to uh, this news that Jesus was alive, that Jesus is alive, and the uh, the resurrection it it just it drives home the point. That scripture intended to, to communicate to us all along, that these events were going to take place, that God keeps his promises, uh, that this was the rescue plan all the way uh, from the very beginning, from uh, the moment where uh, Adam and Eve in the beginning sinned and, and brought brokenness and, and fracturing into the world. God set a rescue plan in place, and this is the culmination of that rescue plan. But before we get to that, I want to encourage you to just try to listen to uh, these verses that we're going to read with the same uh, heaviness of heart uh, that the women who were going to uh, the tomb probably experienced. Uh, they had followed and, and supported Jesus's ministry uh, over the course of several years, and uh, Jesus was gone. As far as they knew, uh, Jesus was, was no more. His story was over. Uh, they had witnessed Jesus being uh, brutally murdered just a couple of days earlier. And while we know uh, that they're about to experience something different in Luke 24, uh, they had no idea what they were walking into. So as we prepare uh, to look at their story, I want to share with you one other thing. Uh, just to set the stage, I asked some of our servants, our volunteers at The Rock to uh, help us read uh, Luke 23 and the uh, story of the crucifixion. So uh, let's consider, we're going to read through uh, Luke 23 uh, verses 33 through 56. So follow along with us as we read. Luke 23, through 56. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments amongst themselves. And the people stood by, looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. 
Now, there was also an inscription above him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. Because the sun was obscured, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. And all the crowds who came together for this spectacle, when they observed what had happened, began to return, beating their breasts. And all of his acquaintances and the women who had accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance, seeing these things. And a man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, he had not consented to their plan and action. A man from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who was waiting for the kingdom of God, this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid him in a tomb cut into the rock where no one had ever lain. It was the preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes and on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. is just so weighty it's so heavy uh, experiencing the just the incredible loss uh, that these people who had given their lives Jesus was a uh, an incredible man he was more than just a man he was uh, fully God and fully man and he had walked among these people and they had uh, given everything in their lives to follow him to to learn from him to uh, devote themselves to his teaching and to his way of life and uh, to him as their their lord, their their boss, their king. And so as they witnessed this terrible, terrible day, this, this horrible story of uh, Jesus being hung on a cross like a criminal and being uh, mocked and uh, cruelly punished, uh, the, the, the darkness and the weight that they surely experienced uh, is something that we can't just rush past. As we consider this story about these these ladies, these women from Galilee who went to uh, the tomb on the Easter Sunday, let's not just rush past uh, their experience to the glorious news that was coming for them uh, as they uh, came to the tomb. But let's let's pause for just a moment and. Uh, reflect and, and listen to these verses with the the, the darkness and the gloom that, that they surely experienced as they came into uh, this moment in the story. They were surely depressed, exhausted, mourning. They had no hope. All hope was lost. And 
at that moment as they are taking spices and uh, preparations to, to go and to uh, prepare the body of Jesus to be left in that tomb forever, uh, an incredible surprise came. So let's read uh, together Luke chapter 24. We're going to read verses 1 through 8 together in this first section. <clears throat> it says, starting in verse 1, On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the, the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And so they remembered his words. We see a couple of different surprises. This, this story is full of uh, surprising moments for these women, and, and I think they uh, experienced some incredible things as they were uh, coming to the tomb and, and meeting these men. The first thing, the first surprise that they come upon uh, is the fact that they approach the tomb and the stone has been rolled away. This is not just a, a stone that maybe we got to get a couple of guys together to, to push out of the way. This was an incredible obstacle and uh, the women most likely were going to the tomb not knowing even how they were going to get to the body of Jesus, but they had come to this grave, to this tomb, with this incredible stone uh, that was going to be just this, this huge obstacle for them. And as they approach, they see that the, the gigantic stone had just been pushed aside. So the women enter the tomb. They enter the tomb expecting to find a body. They... they uh, if, if we were to put ourselves in their position, it would be like us going to a cemetery, taking flowers to a cemetery and finding that the grave was empty, finding that there had been a, 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 an occurrence where uh, the grave had been emptied out, the, the plot had been dug up and there was no body there. So they are definitely confused and bewildered by the time they get into the tomb and find that Jesus's body is missing. We know from uh, other stories in uh, the Gospels, specifically in John's Gospel, chapter 20, we know that uh, the women's first assumption, their first assessment of the situation was that Jesus' body had been stolen. Something terrible had happened because Jesus' body is not here. And the empty tomb just intensifies their distress and their grief that they were already feeling. But in that moment, at that point in the story, we see an incredible surprise and rebuke that comes to them from these men who are described in dazzling clothes. We see in verse 5, it says that they were terrified and they fell to the ground at the sight of these men. We know uh, from Luke's uh, downplaying what they were, but from the other gospels, that these were uh, powerful angels that God had sent uh, to come down to roll the stone away and to share the good news and, and remind these women uh, the, the story of what had happened here uh, when Jesus had gotten up and walked out of the grave. So uh, no one in all of scripture, as they uh, interact with an angel, <clears throat> when an angel comes from 
the glory of heaven and comes down to interact with a person and reveals the glory of heaven as they as they come the response from all people all stories every time a, a human engages in conversation or sees or witnesses an angel their response is to fall face down on the ground to 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 be overwhelmed by the glory of this incredible being and every single time uh, that we see these angels and people fall on their faces or they are just terrified and afraid the response is always the same the response is always that it's it's not about the angels it's about pointing the glory to god and i can't help but uh, read this story and and just pause here for a moment and imagine how incredible uh, the glory of God is. If this is just the the angels who serve God, how much more incredible is it going to be when we can one day uh, come face to face with our King and well, probably face to feet because we're going to fall down before him just like uh, these women did with the angels. But we will be able to witness and experience that glory of God for ourselves. But uh, as we see these women uh, confronted by the angels. The angels uh, look at them and, and they offer a surprising rebuke because what they do is, is these women have come here to uh, minister to the body of Jesus, to uh, care for it and, and to prepare it for proper burial. And as they are face first on the ground, one of the angels uh, voices a uh, rebuke that rings out true for both these women and for many people throughout history. As we look at the story of Jesus, he asks these women, why do you look for the living among the dead? In verse five, it says, why do you look for the living among the dead? They were accused of coming to anoint Jesus's body, his lifeless body, when they should have known because Jesus told them they should have known uh, that he was going to rise from the dead. It was a, 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 a scandalous thought, a scandalous idea for them to come to the grave looking for someone that they should have known was not going to be there. If you're looking for uh, the body of a family member or a celebrity or someone else who has died, it is perfectly appropriate for us to go to a mausoleum, for us to go to a cemetery to look for their body. That's the, that's the place they should be. The, the dead live among the dead in the cemetery. But... But this rebuke from the angel uh, rings out true for all of Christianity throughout all of history because these women made the mistake of looking for someone who was living among the dead. You're looking in the wrong place. If you're looking for a dead person, come here and look around. But Jesus is not here. Verse 6 says, he is not here, but he is risen. And finally, we, we also see as the angels continue to talk with them, we see this incredible reminder that he gives them uh, because the women, much like uh, the disciples, much like many of us, they, they, uh, they forgot the words of Jesus. They, uh, for some reason, misunderstood or misappropriated or just it got lost somewhere in the back of their mind and they didn't put it all together. But the angel challenged them in these verses to remember the prophecies that Jesus had made when he was back in Galilee. These prophecies were incredibly clear. They were incredibly explicit. Right after Peter's great confession saying that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, 
in Luke chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says these words. He said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. We also, that, that wasn't just a one-time thing. A, a couple of chapters later in Matthew 17 or in Mark chapter 9, we see these words. Immediately after Jesus' uh, transfiguration up on the mountain, he, he says to his disciples, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. I don't know how much clearer it can get than that. Jesus was very, very, very clearly telling them this is the plan. This was the plan all along. Jesus had the rescue plan set in place of how sin was going to be paid for from the beginning of time. But this is the moment where uh, we finally get to see it happen in this story. And in all of that, uh, Jesus has been telling them, guys, uh, this is the plan. This is the promise that he has made, the the way it's going to play out. And the angels are just reminding these women of what Jesus has very, very clearly told them. It's not until they remember the Lord's teaching, however, about the empty tomb, about the angels reminding them, Jesus saying that he was going to be killed and three days later uh, would be resurrected, that their lives ultimately changed. Nothing could be more important for the Christian life, for, for us, practically today. Let's, let's stop thinking about the women for just a minute and talk about what I need to do and what you need to do. In the same way that these women made the terrible mistake of misunderstanding or uh, just forgetting or, or, or failing to acknowledge uh, the words of what God was trying to tell them when Jesus said, I will be killed and I will be raised back to life. We so often do that same thing, don't we? You and I have a, a, a terrible habit, a, a terrible failure in our lives that, uh, that I feel safe saying every single one of us does this at times, that we forget the words of the Lord that God has given to us. We've, we fail to remember how God has made promises to us in our life. We fail to, forget, to, to remember how God wants to communicate with us. He wants to speak with us through his word. And whether we fail to read it or whether we fail to remember it in the times when we need to, we must remember, just like these women had to, the importance of, of, of holding on tightly to those words that we have from God. So one of the... <clears throat> oh, I already said that. Keep scrolling through my notes. All right, Drew. So we're going to look now at uh, the next few verses where the disciples get a chance to respond to this news. So we're going to read now uh, Luke 24, verses 9 through 12. It says here, And they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women were with them. Other, the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Looking, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. These women had been surprised and then rebuked by the angels and then instructed and reminded of the words of Jesus. But now they also got to be witnesses. They got to be people who would tell their story and, and, and run back to uh, 
the 12 disciples, the, the 11 disciples now, uh, who were hiding away, uh, scared to, to come out into public. Uh, it's impossible for these women to truly understand everything that, that this news meant. They still hadn't seen the resurrected Jesus at this time. But what they did is they, they came back to, to the disciples and they shared, they bore testimony of what they had seen and heard in verses 9 and 10 as we look at these verses. The empty tomb, the uh, resurrection of Jesus, it, it fulfills the promises that he had made at Galilee but that realization, that understanding of what had truly happened, it hits the disciples with surprise and shock in a way that they really weren't capable of fully understanding at that time. In fact, in the early moments of this discovery, as they're kind of listening to the story and hearing the witness of these women, they had an incredible sense of doubt and skepticism about the events that the women had come and, and shared with them. Their reaction, uh, they would fit in perfectly in our culture today uh, because their response of skepticism uh, looks incredibly uh, modern, doesn't it? It looks like something that we would see uh, people say today. No, nah, people don't rise from the dead. You, you women are crazy. I, I know you think you know what you, you saw or you you heard from the angel, but uh, you guys are crazy. Stuff like that doesn't happen. And it takes repeated appearances of the resurrected Jesus to convince uh, many of these disciples and, and convince the people in the early church there uh, in, in Jerusalem. It, it takes them several opportunities of, of seeing Jesus and, and hearing this story to really truly grasp and understand what it meant to them. They were just as unprepared for this uh, experience as you and I would have been if we had been there. They missed it. Even though Jesus tried to explain to them what was going to happen, they missed it. So these women come to the disciples to share the news of what they had seen. And these are women, they're, they're not women who were unfamiliar. They're not strangers who had just come running and, and knocked on the door. Hey guys, we, we've got some news to share with you. These are people who had been walking with Jesus, had supported his ministry. They had been there through thick and thin, through the ups and the downs. They had traveled with the Lord. They were well-known and well-respected women. But as we look at uh, verse 11 in our passage, we see that they were not believed. Uh, the apostles here, uh, the, the, the best way I can summarize their response is they were acting like, uh, male chauvinists who just downplayed what these women had come and had to say. That's not me being hard on them. That is the story of uh, history. Uh, the Bible is very clear that these men just set aside what the women had come and told them, and they, they, they ignored it and pushed it aside as uh, the women uh, not totally being truthful or, or, or perhaps being stirred up into a frenzy, and, and their testimony was unreliable. So uh, a woman's word in that day was not even uh, accepted in the court of law because women were viewed by, by many men those days as uh, people who were uh, prejudiced. Maybe they were emotional or given to hysteria or uh, intellectually uh, untrustworthy in a way that, that these men just didn't really care what the women had to say. And as we, <clears throat> as we look at this story... I can't help but but have this desire in me to just whack a few of them in the back of the head because they almost missed it. 
they almost missed the most incredible story in the history of humanity because they were being skeptical and hard-headed and not listening to the women that God had put in their life. So guys, pay attention when your woman tells you to do something. Usually uh, they're onto something. So <clears throat> we see here uh, that it is easy for us to be hard on these disciples as uh, they were skeptical about what had happened. But uh, I suspect if we're being honest, many of us would probably respond in the exact same way that they did. Given our sinfulness, given our uh, thick-headedness sometimes, that's uh, something that I, I, I'm I very, very prone to. I, I struggle with uh, being a little stubborn and a little thick-headed sometimes. But uh, nevertheless, these were the apostles that uh, God was going to ultimately use to, uh, to, to establish his church. These were the people who had been walking alongside of Jesus for three and a half years, had seen him perform miracles, had seen incredible things happen that really didn't make any sense to uh, the, the normal uh, human person. But they had seen Jesus perform miracles in a way that for, for they probably should have known better, but uh, ultimately they didn't. And so uh, we see, even though Jesus told them multiple times that he was going to be killed and that he was going to be resurrected, even though they had seen Jesus perform miracles time and time and time again before their very eyes, uh, they were stubborn or incapable of, of truly grasping what was going on. But then, all of a sudden, there goes Peter. There goes Peter in a way that, uh, man, we, we see Peter do this so often. He was the one who, who uh, ran off and did something first and then thought about it later. We see that when he would speak, and then all of a sudden he would think about and understand. He, sometimes he got himself in trouble. Uh, he would jump into action and then uh, realize that maybe that wasn't the best course of action. But uh, off goes Peter. He, he takes off running. And I just can't imagine uh, any other picture than Peter uh, excitedly rushing to the tomb, uh, maybe in skepticism and doubt like the other disciples were, uh, but nevertheless hopeful that what if this is true? What if what if the, the way that his story with Jesus had previously ended? You, you remember in the story of uh, Jesus's death and his crucifixion, uh, Peter, it wasn't one of his finer moments because Peter had denied Jesus three different times. He had, had failed to stand up for and to follow Jesus in the way that he wanted to inside of his heart. Uh, he failed and he came up short. And so I can't imagine uh, anything other than Peter rushing to the tomb, hoping that, that maybe that wasn't actually the end of his story with Jesus. But uh, verse 12 says, Peter got up and ran to the tomb. And uh, we see he, he comes, he arrives there in the tomb. And it says that he stooped and looked in and he saw the, the linen wrappings only. And he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. It says that he leaves the tomb marveling. Some other translations uh, translate that word uh, as wondering. Uh, wondering or, or marveling uh, to himself what had happened. Uh, that word that's translated uh, wondering or, or translated marveling is uh, a Greek word that uh, it implies some version of faith in Peter at this point, but there's there, there's some argument uh, amongst scholars, amongst the really, really smart guys that speak Greek and, and understand all of this stuff, uh, that exactly uh, what that meant for Peter. Uh, most people 
uh, would say that it does not imply faith in Peter at this point, arguing that uh, if you look at Luke 24, uh, verse 24, and then again at verse 34, uh, a few verses later, uh, that those moments, those verses suggest that a, a later p- appearance of Jesus uh, is what ultimately convinces Peter that the, the story, the news of the resurrection is true. Uh, but I think as we look at this, as we see him marveling or, or wondering at what had happened, I think one pastor uh, put it really well. He was more on target when he said that uh, Peter experiences the, the first steps of faith uh, here. <clears throat> as he uh, looks into the tomb, as he peers in, the empty tomb raises some initial questions that the apostle uh, Peter, he, he, he begins to chew on and, and struggle with and wrestle with, uh, what does this mean? What could have possibly happened? And while he may not understand fully, I believe it seems very clear to me that, that Peter uh, has, has started to understand that he's taking those first steps of, of really grasping what does this all mean. So if uh, you believe, as, as I do, that Peter's inspection led to wonder and, and maybe not belief, but uh, a, a few steps towards belief, he was still miles away from a, an Easter faith that we're here celebrating this morning. The word had not truly taken root and, and settled in as true in his, in his guts, in his heart. Uh, but when, he, when it did, when it finally did, we see a person a few pages later as Luke's gospel bleeds into the book of Acts. The story of Luke uh, is Luke's account talking about who Jesus was and how his ministry functioned and, and what that all looked like. And then Acts is also written by the same guy and it's it's now his story of Jesus has come and done his thing. Now Acts looks at uh, the disciples and the early church and how uh, that church kind of became established, how it all uh, started to, to be set up. And so we see in uh, Acts chapter 2 as this church is kind of getting getting rolling, getting started, the, the news of Jesus is starting to spread out and, and go to people outside of the the immediate circle that Jesus had seen after his resurrection. Uh, We see some really explosive words, some, some, uh, he's just a a dynamic, uh, man, he's, Peter is lit up in Luke chapter two. Uh, If we, if you want to turn over there real quick, it's about two books to the right. And we're going to look at Acts chapter two, verses 22 through 24. We see a Peter who at this point, by the time he gets to Acts chapter 2, he gets it. Let's look at those verses together. This is Peter speaking. He says, starting in verse 22, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and signs and, and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, midst, just as you yourselves know. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held by its power. So we see uh, doubting Peter. We see doubting disciples. We see uh, women who even struggled to understand as they had seen the tomb with their own eyes and, and the fact that Jesus was gone. We see the, the, the first steps of this story. This is kind of the, the breaking news version. And 
Uh, maybe the maybe the story is not all put together. Maybe they haven't seen Jesus himself yet, but they're they're starting to understand that Jesus is not just dead and in the tomb anymore. And they've seen supernatural witnesses like these angels. And and the 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 reality that the tomb is empty uh, begins to speak to Peter. Begins to speak to these women. And so as we look at this, and and as we see Peter go from. Uh, doubter who ran out of the room even though he was skeptical about the women's story to a person who started to take these first steps of faith as he wondered or marveled at the empty tomb and what that meant and how he gets to who he is in Acts chapter 2. This powerful preacher who uh, preaches a sermon and thousands of people come to, to put their faith in Jesus. As we look at that transformation, I think it leaves us asking the question for us today, so what? What what does that mean to me? Whether you are more like Peter the skeptic uh, who doubted the, the truth of the women and their story, or whether, whether you are uh, someone who is fully convinced that this story is true and have given everything you can, all of your uh, passion that lives inside of you is directed towards making Jesus known and, and proclaiming the good news of the gospel like Peter, the powerhouse that we see in Acts 2. Today's message has meaning for every single one of us. Every single one of us has something that we should be taking from these verses today. We don't get to just study and look at, oh, that's a cool story, and, and go on about our life like nothing ever changed. We come to this story. We come to the end of Luke's story of who is Jesus. He's told story after story of, of the way that Jesus had uh, interacted and the way that Jesus had lived his life and, and, and taught. And we get to the end of the story in Luke 24. And Luke recounts the one thing that is, is the central thing, that Christianity, that the, the whole story of Jesus rises and falls on this story, on the resurrection. Without the resurrection, without Jesus coming back to life, there is no Christianity. In fact, the, our own Bible even tells us that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it tells us that if the resurrection did not happen, and we believe it did, then we're fools. Why would we believe in something? Why would we believe that someone has come back to life if, if it didn't happen? If it didn't truly happen, we're all just a bunch of idiots and we're wasting our time. So that's the question that, that ultimately all of us have to determine for ourselves. In a sense, everything in the gospel, everything that Jesus said and did, builds up to this one final moment, this one final miracle. Nothing that happened before the resurrection has any meaning if Jesus didn't come back to life. If he was not resurrected, his virgin birth is meaningless. His perfect obedience to God is meaningless. It, it, it doesn't benefit anyone anything if Jesus didn't come back to life after dying on the cross. His miracles, his teaching is all meaningless. Every bit of it is hollow. It, it, it doesn't account for much if Jesus didn't come back to life because in the resurrection, that's where the, the power truly lies and where our hope lies as Christians. I've heard Easter explained this way and the resurrection explained this way, and I think it it helps make sense of it all in my own mind. Uh, we talk about uh, Jesus dying on the cross as Christians. We talk about that a lot. If you uh, were to ask 
most people in society around the world, how did Jesus die? They would be able to tell you Jesus died on a cross. Uh, my kids can tell you Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But uh, what we miss in that is while, yes, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, uh, the resurrection shows us that while the cross paid for our sin, Jesus coming back to life shows and proves to us that the check cleared, that that the payment was accepted, that uh, God has the power to save people uh, because of Jesus' sacrifice. God and Jesus in, in that power, in that resurrected moment, uh, is able to, to prove and to illustrate to all of humanity that we can have hope in him, that he is a, a savior, that he is a Lord, that he is a, a, a king in our life that deserves our allegiance. Because uh, if he just died and stayed dead, that doesn't make him any different than, than any other man that has walked the earth in, in history past. That doesn't make him any different or, or special over any other religion that uh, says that they have the truth that, that God has revealed to them. What makes Christianity special? What gives us hope? And, and the reason why we celebrate on this Easter Sunday is because when Jesus got up and walked out of that grave, it proves to us that our God is bigger than anything that we face. God is bigger than any trial that we face. God is bigger than any problem that we may experience. God is bigger than death itself. And if Jesus is able to get up after being murdered brutally on a cross, if he's able to get up and to walk out of that tomb a couple of days later, what we see in that moment, what we see in that story is that that God is powerful enough that he deserves our trust and our faith as well. So the, the question that people have to answer today, the question that I hope you have answered, but, but maybe you haven't, is did the resurrection actually happen? Did this story actually truly happen? Or is this just some fable, some, some fairy tale, some idea that the disciples came up with and put together and kind of built this religion in a way that, that they would be able to uh, you know, carve out a good, good life for themselves and uh, live comfortably as people who had influenced the world by making up this story about Jesus coming back to life. Uh, I, I think we see in uh, this story, though, a couple of things that, uh, that, that destroy that question or destroy, destroy that argument that people would make that the disciples just made it all up. Uh, the skepticism about the resurrection that we see from the disciples that's, that's really highlighted here in uh, Luke's account of the resurrection in Luke 24. What we see is a group of people that even though maybe they were open to uh, miracles, they had, they had seen other miracles happen, uh, they were, on, on this occasion, they were really hard-headed and, and uh, they, were, they, they doubted. They were really struggling to believe. They had to be persuaded and see Jesus with their own eyes. They, they, they were skeptics, just like many other people out there in the world are skeptics. People don't come back to life from the dead. Maybe, maybe you're sitting there and experiencing some of those same thoughts the, the disciples were thinking. People don't come back to life. That, that's, that's not the way it works. When people die, we put them in the ground, or we put them in a tomb, or we put them in a mausoleum, or we, uh, we, they're gone. They, they are no more. People don't come back to life from the dead. 
what we see here in this story is that initial prove it attitude from the disciples uh, fits really well with that spirit. But what we see is when we look a little bit later in scripture, we see stories of people like Peter, who even though he was cowering and hiding uh, in the privacy uh, of, of a locked room, when the women came, he, he started to examine for himself, could this be true? Is this really what happened? And, and so Peter goes out and, and starts to investigate whether or not this is true for himself. And he obviously decides, because by the time Acts 2 and, and the rest of the book of Acts, and we have uh, stories of all of these disciples, they, they went out and they were radically changed. They were empowered and, and motivated in a way that something changed in them between this doubt that we see in Luke 24 and the stories that we see in Acts where these men are boldly proclaiming, screaming at the top of their lungs in, in, in city public spaces that Jesus is alive, that Jesus has been resurrected, and that uh, people needed to believe in him. When people uh, heard that news, if, if we were to see a radical change in a person's life like we see uh, 11 guys in uh, the Bible... These 11 disciples went from scared to bold. Something changed in them. Something clicked for them. And and I'm here to tell you and explain that to you just as briefly as I can. They knew that Jesus was alive. This isn't something that they just made up because if they had just made all of this up, that doesn't inspire uh, passion in people. That doesn't inspire uh, the, 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 the conviction where these men were willing to die for this message. Every single one, one of the disciples died for standing up for uh, this message that Jesus had come back to life. Most of them in, in a really ugly fashion. They were willing to be uh, tortured and killed brutally uh, because they knew the truth. They knew that this wasn't something that they had just made up. They saw the resurrected Jesus for themselves, and they knew that because Jesus had overcome death, that Jesus was going to take care of them in their death and after their death as well. So if you're a skeptic, you're in good company. But my encouragement for you would be, don't stop asking questions. Don't stop looking for yourself. There are all kinds of websites and books. Uh, There's a book called The Case for the Resurrection, that uh, just does a, a great job of, of laying out all of these details in uh, not just the, the biblical argument for them, but the, uh, the, the historical and, and talks about some of the other evidences as well that we can look at. But the only reasonable explanation that we can have hope, the only reasonable explanation for the apostles' hope is that they knew that that empty tomb that we read about this morning meant that their Savior, that their Lord, that, that Jesus, that they had followed was alive, and that because he was alive, because he had overcome death, they could have hope as well. And I'm here to tell you, look me in the eyes. I know I can't see your eyes, but look at me and and hear this when I say it. Jesus has uh, defeated death so that you can be set free from fear as well, so that you can have hope and and life in him, that, that one day when you die, you don't have to fear what is on the other side in the same way that these disciples didn't. Jesus overcame death so that we would know that he has power 
in everything, and that includes death, and we have nothing to fear in that. We have no reason to fear pandemics. We have no reason to fear persecution and, and people angrily coming against the church. We have nothing that we have to worry about because Jesus is bigger than all of it. So uh, just a, a final challenge for you guys as we wrap this up. If you are a believer, if you've already given your life to Jesus this morning, uh, the resurrection is a reminder for us. It is a, a, a joyous morning where uh, we can remember that we have new life, that that new life is a gift from God, and that it calls us to live our life in a humble submission and gratitude uh, to the one who deserves everything that we have to offer. Jesus deserves everything because he set sinners like me and, and sinners like you free where we don't have to fear death and we don't have to fear punishment anymore. And maybe you are like the disciples that were hiding in the upper room. Maybe you're a, a skeptic this morning. If you're a skeptic, if you don't know him, what the resurrection says to you is that you, uh, the, the, the Bible and I am calling out to you, accept the truth of what this means. Accept the reality that, that maybe, maybe what you see and what you understand of the world, maybe there's more to it than, than just what you understand right now. If you will continue to investigate and ask questions and, and look to historical evidence and biblical evidence and the, the, the account of these men who went from fearful to bold for some mysterious reason, I believe that you will find that the resurrection, that the story that Jesus defeated death is absolute, absolutely true. And if you will... Uh, consider that. And if you will uh, find the truth in that, Jesus will change your life. Everything in life is different when we know that we can have hope because Jesus is in control. It doesn't always mean that life is easy or that, that we always stay healthy or that things are perfect all the time. Uh, the life of the Christian is not perfect, but it's okay. We, we have the strength to deal with whatever life throws at us because we know that, that Jesus is ultimately in control of all of it. That if he's able to, to overcome death, like we see in this Easter story, he's able to overcome anything that we face and we can trust him because we know that he is a good God who keeps his promises just like he talked about the angel reminded the women of in this story. Just like we've seen uh, in uh, the past Rock Community Church people who uh, were with us as we went through the book of Deuteronomy, we saw time after time after time God keeps his promises. Jesus said, I will be killed, but I will come back to life. And the story that we looked at today proves it. So uh, if you uh, believe in him and he's your king, let's worship him together. If you don't, continue to search because I promise you, if you will search with, a, with an honest heart and search for answers about who is Jesus and did this really happen, I believe that God will prove it to you. And I would love to have an opportunity to talk with you. So reach out to me or, or reach out to uh, our team at the church if uh, you have questions or, or want to talk to somebody about that. Uh, we've got our prayer team that is prepared, that's sitting at home anxiously waiting by the phone for you to call or, or send a message or send an email uh, that we would love to uh, have an opportunity to share with you uh, how you can give your life to Jesus, how you can, can accept the truth of what this story meant today. And, and make Jesus uh, your king in your life in the way that the disciples did. That you can 
give everything that you have to him in the way that Peter did when he started to understand and, and believe the truth for himself. So please, please, please reach out to us. Get in touch with us at uh, the email that's going to be in the comments below. Get in touch with our prayer team. Uh, get in touch with me. I, I shared that and uh, I'm sure our team is going to stick that in the comments below as well. My personal email address. Uh, we would love nothing more than to share with you the hope of the resurrection and this great news of what Jesus coming back to life can mean in your life. Would you guys pray with me now? God, we thank you so much for uh, this story of incredible news that, that Jesus, uh, even though he was killed, did not stay dead. God, we know that, that the payment was accepted, that you have the power to, to, to conquer sin and to conquer death, and that Jesus set us free in a way that we can't just ignore and go on living our life the way that we always have. God, everything that we have, everything that's within us, uh, you deserve every bit of it and so much more. God, you are the king of the universe and you have proven that even death doesn't stand a chance against you. So God, we celebrate that this morning. God, we worship you this morning. And God, as we sing a couple of final songs and, and finish up our service today. My prayer is that, uh, God, that we would just burst forth, that, that everything in our soul, in our guts, uh, would celebrate that you set sinners like me and sinners like us free from the punishment that we deserve. All we sinners are going to sing together and celebrate this good news of salvation. So God, we thank you uh, for the cross. We thank you for the empty tomb. And we thank you that we can trust in you because we know that you have power to, God, nothing can stand in your way. Nothing can stop you. So God, we celebrate that together this morning. And it's in Jesus's powerful, uh, precious, risen from the grave name that we pray. Amen.